So I just, as I, as I got back in here, I can hear my girls just got home off the bus <laughs> and I left them, I left them a chore list of things to do before I will show them where I hid the remotes. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Welcome to Build It, the DeKalb County United podcast. My name is Nick Miles. Joining me as ever, John Hall, chairman of DeKalb County United itself. Hi, John. Hello, Nick. Well, that was perky. <laughs> the wife's away for a week and he's, he's just gone all off, off so script. She's been gone for 18 hours, so I'm still perky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one's burnt the house down yet. And joining yeah. us this week, um, a friend from the Deep South, our friend Chris Petley of Dal- Tallahassee. Hi, Je- Hi Chris. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thank you for joining us. Um, John and I were talking just before you joined us, Chris, about how you guys first got in contact. And I guess that's the easiest way to start the ball rolling. John, if you could just take over. So, yeah. So, so Chris, I was looking back to answer the question. And, and the first email I find from you was September 1st of 2017. And you asked me some very basic questions at that time. We had announced like two months earlier but we didn't have a coach we didn't have a team we were like really no farther along than you were but you kind of reached out to just pick my brain and I had done the same to other people and it was it was a great way to start and I'm looking at this bible that I wrote you I wrote like words and words and words and words about things you know I got and, uh, I, I got it for free before you were charging people uh, tell me about it. I know. And I, you know what? The problem with me is I retype it every time. I didn't have like a standard response for people. And that takes up a lot of time. So that was way back in September of 17. And as I'm looking through the email string, that's when I was headed to um, Disney World. To Disney. And Irma came through. And I was actually, I mean, a little ways away from you, but we were both dealing with a hurricane. But at the same time, we're exchanging emails, asking soccer questions, which was, a, it was pretty cool to look back and see that it was uh, over three years ago now. So glad to, uh, glad to get you on to hear the updates. Yeah, I mean, that was just an amazing time. You know, I think I read uh, Dennis's, uh, you know, Bible, his own version of the Bible, right? Just a couple of months earlier in May, 2017, and then found you on, on Twitter, which is just a great connector, especially for lower league soccer folks like ourselves. And um, I think it was just symbolic, uh, symbolic of what um, everything was going to be to come, right? The network of lower division soccer folks that just want to help each other out and get teams off the ground. And, it, and I thought it was very interesting, right, that you were heading to Disney World in the middle of a hurricane. It was su- such a Florida thing to happen. Um, and uh, we're here, you know, three years later, uh, both of us with some amazing teams um and i think it's going to be a great conversation for us to 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 update you on kind of where we are and then hopefully we can get into a conversation between all of us on where we think it's going to go um given the pandemic and given the economics of everything involved moving forward here into the the short-term future 
I, I agree completely. Do you, you want to give some quick background? I know Nick's, I, I follow you as much as I can, but you can probably tell me a lot, but why don't you give Nick and I a little bit of the background from, from your soccer upbringing and how you joined the uh, wild group of people that decided to start lower league clubs in the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, born and raised in Florida, played soccer my entire life. I think like a lot of folks did, um, kicking a ball at four and five and played through high school uh, where I, I tore my, my ACL the first time, kind of lost a scholarship to go play at the, at the next level. Um, but it's all right. Played intramurals, ended up going to the University of Florida, go Gators, even though I'm in Tallahassee. Uh, and then just you know, as I grew older, began to follow the national team around the country and, and drug my wife around the country to watch the team. And it, it has always just been a very prominent part of my life and, and who I am and everything about the sport, playing it, watching it uh, and coaching it. Uh, I was coaching younger kids from about 14 until 18. So it's just always been a part of my life. And, and like I alluded to earlier, um, you know, in, in May 2017, I uh, came across the Dennis Crowley article and just sent out a text to a group of my friends. You know, I think we all are on those text chains with your friends. And uh, I sent the link and said, why not us? Why not here? Uh, and as you would imagine, a lot, a lot of them on the text chain were just like, you're crazy. You know, you're just, here goes Chris again with the crazy idea. But one of them said, yeah, why not us? Why not here? And that started my summer of believing that we could do something here in Tallahassee and put together a local community run team. And I, I spent that summer meeting with anybody and everybody that I could. And, and that's when I reached out to you to get some more concrete information. But I just met with anyone that was involved in business, right? And anyone that was involved in soccer, anyone that was involved in, in the city of Tallahassee. Uh, and we put together a great plan. And then the next year, so we got to May 2018, we announced almost to the day that I read the article from uh, Dennis Crowley, we announced publicly in front of uh, about 150 folks on a 97 degree Wednesday evening. And, and when we looked around and saw that that many people came out and sweat through their business attire, uh, just to hear us publicly announce that we were bringing a team to Tallahassee, we knew we were onto something. So fast forward another 365 days, almost to the day, May 2019, we kicked off um, our inaugural season. We took on the Savannah Clovers. We actually joined then the Gulf Coast Premier League, which is just an amazing regional league doing fantastic things. Um, so we played our inaugural year in the Gulf Coast Premier League. Um, that May, we took on the Savannah Clovers in front of 700 people on a rainy, rainy day. We had three lightning delays. And I think even at the after the third lightning delay, there were still north of 500 people out there just taking it all in. And uh, we went on to, to play that Gulf Coast Premier League season, made, a, made the playoffs in our first ever year. And it was just an, an amazing atmosphere, the players getting to know our fans and, and just really learning as much as we could on, on what it would take to be sustainable. Um, and that's been the key word that we've done, we've used throughout this entire process. You know, we were building momentum all through that first year getting ready for this year. Um, we made a jump and moved with four other teams from the Gulf Coast Premier League, kind of made a group decision to move into the NPSL. Um, which was not, 
you know, a holistic change because like I said, we moved with four of our fellow uh, clubs and we were really looking forward. We were building buzz. And then of course, like everyone else in the world, you know, the COVID hit. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of gets us the quick abridged version to where we are now. Um, but it's been an incredible, you know, when you talk about 2017, I mean, we've been building this thing and working on it for three years and yet we've only played one season. Uh, so it's, it's something that we focus on. Um, I think that if you look around the country and you talk to other crazy folks like you and I, and, and you learn that the, the timeline, right? The, the average time that a lower league soccer team exists in a community is really two and a half years. And, and so to see that we're at three years, you know, this is a huge deal. I used to tell our board of directors and our players that the hardest season that we were going to have to do would be the second season because the first season it's new and everyone is always excited about something new. The second season, people want to see if you can do it again. And if you get through that second season into the third, by the third, you're, you're almost in an established commodity within the, the community. And having COVID strike right then, which, which I thought and still believed was going to be our hardest season ever, you know, we've got our work cut out for us next year. It's interesting to me when you when you give that as that was a good a good three year recap in a couple of minutes that, that was helpful. But I, I I noticed there was two key moments. One when you sent your text to your buddies, where if everybody would have said no, you might have just backed down. Maybe I don't you know maybe not. But it only took one person to throw a little bit of gas on the fire, and you were rolling. And then the second moment that I picked up on was when you had your launch and had a great crowd in the rain. And it's, it's, there's moments like that, that I look back to and go, boy, if that would have been different, I don't know how we would have moved forward. You know, at the time I didn't realize that was such a key moment, but I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I wanted to talk about the Gulf coast premier league and the NPSL move and stuff, but I want to table that. Um, and Nick jump in anytime. Otherwise I got a, some questions. What you alluded to the board of directors, what is the leadership like of the club? What's the structure like? Uh, one of the things we like to talk about in the podcast is um, instead of typing out long emails to each other, we kind of lay it out for everybody. How do different clubs operate? So you could spill into that a little bit. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. So, so we are, um, you know, in doing a lot of the research, we decided that we were going to be a 501c3 nonprofit. You know, we, we have made every bit of our brand is about the community. And, and we felt that a major ingredient to this was being able to go to people to ask for sponsorships or secure memberships or just get people involved with the, with the understanding that nobody involved in our club is making a dollar, is making a cent. Every single person involved in our board of directors and our entire structure is volunteer run. And it's very important for, for me and I think for folks that when they realize that that this is just a passion project for the love of the sport, for the love of the city. So our club is set up as a nonprofit, a 501c3. We have a board of directors that are all volunteer driven. Uh, and, and it's just really, believe it or not, it's just people that I met along the way talking about this and being public. I think one of the first guys that jumped on board, um, I met via Twitter, Mike Bonfanti was, was really our first member of the board of directors. And we never knew each other. We never even met 
except through Twitter, but we lived in the same city. We both had the same passion and then, the, you know, the same vision. And then we expanded it to some of my close friends, you know, the guy that said yes on the text chain. Um, and then another one of my close friends who just happened to have a master's degree from the University of Florida in sports management, has a championship ring from the University of Florida football. Team. So we started putting these pieces together. We've got an amazing individual that is uh, on our board of directors, G, G. Williams. She runs a marketing company and an advertising company. So she does all the amazing branding and graphics. You know, we, we looked at it very holistically and said, okay, what, what do we need to be successful? So Mike Bonfanti, like I alluded to, happened to be an attorney. So there's our attorney. We got the branding person. We got the business person who was the guy that said yes. We, you know, we, we really went, we found a soccer person that was established in the community. And then, you know, to, to drive home even more so, we made sure that of our seven person board of directors, one of them would be voted on by our membership. So that way we really entrenched that our membership has a voice on the on the board of directors. So so our structure is is really that we sit right now. Um, we're three years in, so we've had some. Uh, I think like everyone deals with right. So we've had two or three people drop off because one of our our board of directors is now moving to Chicago. I told him to look you up. I said maybe he can commute two okay. three hours because it's going to be the north side uh, of Illinois. Um, so. You know, we've had some transition. We're in, a, we're in a transition period now where we're going to try to fill those three slots or two slots. Um, but that that's really the structure of of how we have it running. And I think it it's very important for whatever city you live in, right? You you may have different things. I know a lot of teams are set up as you know S corps and businesses, and that may work for y'all for for what they're trying to do. But our brand is city first, club second. And it was really important that we found folks to help run this club that are not looking to make a dollar, right? This is not a business opportunity. This is about building something special. I, I think, um, Nick, you could probably, you could probably uh, attest that, you know, everything you said really echoes the kind of the way we've tried to do things and, and the way that we've tried to stress the community first and, and be more than a soccer club. And um, that's probably why Chris and I have talked so much off and on for three years, because we kind of uh, vision sort of aligned. But what do you guys do then? Um, obviously, with the 501c3, you can pick up uh, tax deductible donations from a plethora of individuals and companies. But where does the where does all the funding come from for operations? Yeah, so our, our funding is, is really 50-50. We, we have a membership organization, so we are out soliciting members, people to become members of our group for $85 a year. And we try to attain, um, I think when we started, we ended up with 167 members two years ago. Um, and then we had a little drop off, obviously, because the season and everything uh, just didn't, didn't happen. But we try to make sure that we provide um, value to becoming a member of the Tallahassee Soccer Club for our members. And that will fund half of what our operational costs are. And then we solicit, like everyone else, um, local businesses and companies to become sponsors so that we, between the two of them, that will fund our, our season. And, and we approach it on a season-by-season -season basis. And again, we're not trying to make a profit. Um, we And then I guess the third tier of that, believe it or not, and we could talk about this as, uh, in the future, later in the show um, is our merchandise. But those three branches kind of build build our, our, our tree here. 
Yeah, that that mirrors what we do too. The the fourth one that we um, have have put together, I guess, if you could call it a fourth channel, whatever. But we try to do uh, futsal tournaments or little goalkeeper camps or different organ like different opportunities, soccer opportunities, whether it's an event or a tournament or a camp or a whatever, where people can they pay a registration fee to come participate, and then uh, that allows us to kind of. If we need more money, we can host more things. Of course, COVID threw all of this stuff out the window. But you know, you have the ability, like, hey, we're short, or we need to do an, we need to do a tournament so that we can raise money to pay for this. We can we can do something like that if we need to. So, um, and that also gets us more tied in with different community families that may not really know us, but they got a ten year old that wants to come to this camp, you know, but they've never been to a game before. So it's kind of gives us a way to connect with people. Uh, little bit differently and you the fifth thing and you have a similar which you forgot i think is beer <laughs> so i i don't know if you make money from your beer sales or percentage of sales or anything but you do have a, a co-branded beer which i love so tell us about that yeah so you know in in the learning process of of everything you learn about going through the first year in the in the way the world works we had an amazing um, sponsorship with a, a bro local brewery and they beard a uh, they canned a specific beer for us um, our mantra is to the goal and I can allude I can touch on kind of some of the the branding and history of our club if you want to in a minute but they, they canned a beer for us and then unfortunately uh, went out of business so you know that was that but then we've we have an amazing ended up having a really good relationship with uh, one of the largest another local brewery one of the largest most amazing companies in town in Tallahassee here so we we now have a, a brewery proof brewery that is our partner this year and um, since we're here talking about the nuts and bolts you know they actually pay us a sponsorship fee to be on our jersey this year um, as opposed to having any sort of you know profit share or anything along selling the beer um, and then you know we're going to do events there and then our members and stuff will in turn buy beer so it all kind of again we to be honest, we don't maximize probably a lot of the, the relationships because that's not our goal. Our goal is to find, hit that operational cost number and then everything above it is great for our partners. Um, and then really what we found ourselves doing over the last eight months is, you know, we want to make sure, and, and that's what I was hoping that we can separate this out a little, right? And like at the end of the show or towards the middle, we talk about the future. But one of, one of the things that we've been really trying to do is ensure that our local sponsors are going to be around and do everything we can to promote them during this year to make sure that they're there um, long lasting. But um, I think you're right about the camps and other things along that line. And that's something that, that we are talking about internally. But, um, you know, I'm interested to know, do you all have local soccer academies in town or are you guys the only show? No, no, we're, we're very much not the only show. There's, um, there's we're partnered sort of um loose partnership i would say with um three ayso regions which is you guys have ayso in florida yeah absolutely okay i don't i think they're national but i never know so uh, we have three regions of ayso that we work with we've got um there's two different uh youth clubs in the decal sycamore area so um we let you know they we didn't want to get into um building a full youth club 
I just don't have the time in my life, nor do I know anybody else that wants to do that. And I really don't want to compete with what these other people are already doing great things. So from a youth perspective, what I, and I'm, and I'm very soon, I'm going to reconnect with all of them because this year has just been miserable, but I want to reconnect and sort of re-engage those conversations. Like what can we do to supplement your program? It's, you know, can we do some camps for your players and can there be a benefit to both of us? And um, I get uh, not only the, the player development for our local players, which is a big part of it that we don't get to talk about, especially on our build it podcast, but that's a great thing. Uh, and building the brand awareness, but we try to, we try not to step on anybody's toes. We try to supplement what they're, what they're already doing. And, and if there's a way we can provide uh, even a coaching course, one of our assistant coaches is he, he teaches every coaching course in us soccer, I think. So he's able to, to, put a coaching class together for people and things like that. So that's sort of how we connect with the youth. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really interesting because that that's exactly where we are. And I, and I made a point three years ago and, you know, things change maybe over the course of that time, but I made a point because we have two really, really great academies in town. Um, and I made a point to let them know we, at that time, we didn't have intentions of, of branching out um, beyond our, our men's team, except for maybe a possibility of a women's team into a, you know, a youth program because of, I think, exactly what you're saying. I mean, some of the politics, we don't want to compete. They're doing a great job. And I think even to this point, we've been hesitant to actually do camps and clinics because the approach, you know, was we don't necessarily want to compete with them or, you know, ruffle any feathers or step on toes. But I, I really like the way that you framed that. And that may be something, um, look, I'm learning here too, right? Is how can we help supplement what they're doing? And I think that's a, a really holistic approach that you know we we're going to look into then um, in the in the coming months. Um, but you know we we want to make sure everyone gets along. Everyone has a seat at the table. I mean, there's really very little ego with the folks involved on our side. So we try to make sure that everyone has a seat. It, and you know, there's there's ways to do that as well, where you can you can go to one of those academies and say hey, we want to come in here and do a camp for your U14 team. Can, we, can, can you get them to come? It'll be outside of your training time, outside of whatever. And, it will, hey, it's, it's 10 bucks a player just to cover some field rental costs or whatever you might have. And just to get your, your branding in front of that group of kids. And then it's very, it's, it's very elective. And then, and even, you know, depending on your situation, you can, you can even say, hey, Let's do a let's do a three night camp Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for these teams within your club, and we'll split the proceeds from it. So your club will make some money by encouraging people to be here. We'll make some money for actually using our coaching staff or whatever. Use some players, however you put that together, where you can make it a, a, a little bit of a financial gain for all parties, and then they see you more as a business partner. And not certainly not as a competitor, not like you're trying to steal their players. Right. You're just trying to bring them that um, quote unquote semi-pro or elite amateur player to come in and, and show them that, hey, you can continue to play past U19. Right. I mean, since this is the Build It podcast and we're talking about the nuts and bolts, I mean, when I that, that summer of 2017, I spoke with you know, 50 different people around the country that were involved in lower division soccer. But really what I sought out believe it or not, was was not the folks 
that can help tell me what makes something su successful. I, I really sought out the teams that failed and the teams that closed after two years. And, and I think there were really only two reasons that they can, they can look to, to why, because I asked them, I flat out asked folks, you know, why do you think you were not able to succeed and last? And of course, the number one was always money, right? It was always money. And I didn't want to get into the, you know, specifics of money, because as you and I and the folks who run teams know, you know, money can be different and depending on where you are, right? Like the number one thing for us, if you're going to say money, when it comes to what is the, 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 the most expensive part of our season, it's travel. Because in Tallahassee, if, if a lot of folks aren't familiar with the geography, you know, we're, we're on an island. And we're right kind of in the armpit of Florida, uh, 45 miles away from the coast, but we are three hours away from any other possible teams. So every single away trip that we have, we're in the car a minimum of three hours, and then we can go up to seven hours, which is a trip to New Orleans and another trip to Hattiesburg. So the travel is the number one thing for us. And, and it's almost that we, we get jealous of those teams that are in major metropolitan areas, Atlanta and Miami and Chicago, and these other teams that, you know, they're, they're a half hour away from each other. Um, even folks in our own conference, you've got a team in Mobile, a team in Pensacola and a team in Port City, they're all within 45 minutes of each other. So I didn't want to get into that conversation about money, but the number two reason every single time I asked why their team, why you think their team wasn't successful is that they, for lack of better terms, pissed off their local soccer academies. And if you, if you get those folks upset, I mean, those are the people and the families that are coming to watch you and support you and the kids that you want to help inspire. Um, so, you know, we, we have treaded and we have tried to foster relationships, positive relationships as well as we can. And, and we will not do anything to jeopardize um, those relationships. That's it's a hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's always the thing. Money comes from, I mean, I, I enjoy talking about the, the money of lower league soccer, the, the business side of it, because that's all I get to deal with at our club. And um, we, that, that's exactly why we started this podcast. Chris was, we wanted to hear stories of success and, and Nick's reached out to a number. I think he probably fell asleep. I don't know. Maybe he's bored <laughs> of us, but he, We've reached out to a number of people or clubs that have failed to see if they would come on and tell their story to help somebody else learn. And um, those are the kinds of things we want to talk about. We have, we have to be vulnerable here, right? I, I certainly didn't want to do this podcast to act like I was an expert. But I want to do this because I think people can take one thing that we're doing and use it. Yeah. And then take one thing that you're do doing and use it and then they can build what works for them and hopefully learn from some of our challenges and the things we've experienced and 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 i listening to you i you know same kind of thing i think we're we're uh we're very much passionate about what we're doing and that's the reason we're still doing it after three years because it is it is a very time and uh, time intense and you've got to be organized i mean it's a it really is a full-time job outside of your full-time job and your family. Well, so. it's a tangent off of that because you, you mentioned it, right? The family, I think as, as much as it sucked, right? COVID has, has destroyed seasons and we're not out there playing, but selfishly for, for both you and I, I imagine, right? You've got an 11 month old. I have a seven month old. I honestly, looking back, 
man, I don't know how I would have pulled off <laughs> the season. Um, and I'm sure you may look at that too, right? Is, is because, and, and we joke about it on our board of directors, you know, I've got a seven month old, um, Mike, who I alluded to earlier, he's got an eight month old. Our other board member has a three month old. I mean, that's three of our seven top leaderships going with newborns. And so if there's a bright spot or a semi dull spot, um, through COVID, it, it really is that it forced forced our hand because honestly, like you said, the time commitment and everything, you know, we, we might have been dead, right? I mean, we would have been on two hours sleep yeah. going through raising newborns uh, through this process. So, you know, hey, let's find the positive side of it. Yeah. So from a, from a club perspective, I didn't even write this on my list of questions for you, but I, I'm thinking of it. What what is your reaction been then? You know, I don't know what time NPSL was it March or April. They called the season and you had this, okay, we're not playing. And I'm sure like us, we've had a number of invitations to go play and do friendlies and stuff. And we've kind of just decided that there's a reason we're not playing in our league games. So we're not going to risk health and safety to play friendlies. So how has your club responded in this, like I, uh, I gotta do the math. I think we're gonna end up with a twenty-one month off season, almost twenty month right. off season. Right. Um, so how how have you guys responded this year? Have you have you been able to take advantage of the time to organize, or yeah, where are you know, guys at? Yeah, I mean, so again, we were building so much momentum, and and we have just a lot of plans and ideas, and it all can kind of came crashing to a halt, like everyone else. But I'll say. Um, I am way more conservative, I think, in, in my own leadership um, because uh, my day job. So my day job, I am, I am uh, communications for the local school district, 35,000 kids, 42 schools. And I think that that has influenced so much of, of the decision making that we have had at our club. And we have not played anything. We have not done anything um, because I just, I see, and I get the reports every day and I'm, I'm really plugged into kind of what's going on in the community. And, and I just could not live with myself if, if we put one of our players in a position to where they would, you know, be harmed by this disease. And, and that, that is not necessarily, not that some of our board members don't, you know, love our players or whatever, but some of them are, they're more, uh, you know, they have a different view, a different perspective, and they, they want, you know, they are pushing us to why are we not playing? Why are we not doing this? And, and I'm jealous. I'm, I'm absolutely jealous watching these other clubs get out there and play. And it's, it's gut wrenching to even watch some of our players that made our team who, you know, a couple of them went and played for some other UPSL teams or other, other leagues, because, man, I cannot, hate hate that you know no it will they need to go play they want to go play and that's the other factor is you know a majority of our players are out playing pickup two nights a week and they're playing with you know each other but you know i think i've kind of opened up more maybe in the last month or so as i think maybe a lot of the rest of the country some other folks because you know the more you learn um about what's going on and and you know, we were set to unveil and we can break the news here, right? But we, you know, thinking out of the box, we went and approached a, a, a couple different locations in town and we were set to do kind of this underground street soccer um, 
league or tournament, right? Where we were going to break our own players up and do a six v six. And, and the vision that I had was kind of like old school street fighter, right? Where, you know, the, the video game where these guys are fighting in these cool locations and people are around watching. And it's, it's like, it's this really cool atmosphere. And we, we are probably going to try to unveil this in, in November now that I'm a little more open to having our guys play, but you know, we had the location, the brewery location where they have an outdoor beer garden and we were going to turn that into a, you know, 5v5 soccer field. We we got permission and, and, and uh, an arrangement to play on the, at a uh, airplane, airplane hangar. So on an airport where you're going to have airplanes landing behind you while you're playing soccer, we got all these different locations, a parking garage with the cityscape behind us. So, you know, that's something that we were going to do and just through zoom and through some of this new technology, just really push it out so people can watch. Um, so that was set to really kick off two months ago, but we were hesitant again, hesitating to, to put our players in a position of an organized um, event through Tallahassee soccer club. Again, at the same time, I went out and watched them all play pickup last week. So I think, you know, now's the time for us to, to really start getting back on the scene, um, making fo folks aware that we're still here and then really allowing an outlet for our players to, to get back around each other and, and start trying to play some games out there. But you'll see, I mean, we've got just these out of the box ideas on uh, that we're working on that I think will get national attention. And, and like you said, hopefully um, spur some other ideas from other teams around the country to, to, do, to do some of this stuff. So um, we're excited. And it's, it's really recent, maybe like in the last two or three weeks that, that we are now getting back together and um, getting ready to, to kind of get out there and play some things again. I don't think that we'll play 11 v 11 against some other teams around the, the region, but we've got some cool things that we're going to be doing internally that we'll push out to our uh, MyCujo and Facebook and, and other kind of social media just to, again, feel the excitement and do some things that are cool. Yeah, and part of the um, Nick handles media and marketing and all that stuff for us, and 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 some of the things. Of course, I've had crazy ideas in the last six months, and he says, "Just wait, just wait. Let's wait." Like those are those are things we can do when we're hyping up our April return to play or May return to play for for next season instead of getting everybody excited about us in October, and then well, we'll see you guys in seven months. You know and. So we're, we're kind of in the same boat, sort of pacing, um, a lot of brainstorming, a lot of correspondence. I mean, we wouldn't have started the podcast if it weren't for COVID. We, we wouldn't have taken the time. Yeah. So I think there's a, I think there's a number of things that, you know, if your organization's smart, you can find different ways, you can better organize, you can, you can don't waste the time. And I think we finally, when we got done sulking in June, we finally said, all right, let's not waste a year. Let's let's get better as, as an organization and try to in some way connect with the community however we can. And unfortunately, that's all we've got from Chris this week. The second half of the pod didn't record, and I'm afraid, so we will be calling Chris back sometime in the near future to follow up on everything and to get his thoughts on various other bits and bobs. In the meantime, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with something different.
Sure that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh.